I welcome you to the Holistic Health Show. I'm Dr. Carl O'Helvey, your host. My first guest today, Dr. Michael Grieger, a founding member and fellow of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, is a physician, New York Times bestselling author, and internationally recognized speaker on nutrition, food safety, and public health issues. He has lectured at the Conference on World Affairs, testified before Congress, and was invited as an expert witness in the defense of Oprah Winfrey in the infamous meat defamation trial. In 2017, Dr. Giger was honored with the ACLM Lifestyle Medicine Trailblazer Award. He is a graduate of Cornell University School of Agriculture and Tufts University School of Medicine. His latest book, How Not to Die, became an instant New York Times bestseller. He has videos on more than 2,000 health topics freely available at nutritionfacts.org with new videos and articles uploaded every day. All proceeds he receives from his books, DVDs, and speaking engagements is donated to charity. More information is available at https colon forward slash forward slash org. I welcome you to the Holistic Health Show, Dr. Grieger, and I look forward to hearing about your book, How Not to Die, Discovered the Food Scientifically Proven to Prevent and Reverse Disease. Now, first, you advocate a plant-based diet. What are plant foods that are good for you? Well, so the best available balance of evidence suggests the healthiest diet is one that minimizes the intake of meat, eggs, dairy, and processed junk and maximizes the intake of fruits, vegetables, legumes, which are beans, split peas, chickpeas, and lentils, whole grains, nuts and seeds, mushrooms, herbs, and spices, basically real food that grows out of the ground. Those are our healthiest choices. Exactly what I eat. I've been vegan Great. for, for uh, well, when I had lung cancer 45 years ago, the doctor put me on a vegan diet, and I stayed on that. You have a smart doctor. Oh, well, I wish he, all doctors were that smart. And then I developed AFib about three years ago, so I went back on the vegan diet, and everything is fine. I don't even think about my AFib very often. So it worked for Great. me. Then do you believe that food can overcome cancer, for example, or is it a supportive part of a protocol that might include like a cancer killers, immune builders, and so forth? Well, actually, a plant-based diet is the only diet ever proven to reverse the uh, progression of any cancer. This is Dr. Dean Ornish's work showing that an early-stage prostate cancer could actually cause the shrinkage of tumors on average uh, compared to the control group uh, eating their regular diet in which the tumors continue to grow. And that was with the same diet he used to reverse heart disease, a diet centered around whole plant foods. So, uh, you know, the, I mean, if that's all a plant-based diet can do, reverse the number one killer of men and women heart disease, well, I mean, shouldn't that be the default diet to prove it otherwise? And the fact that can also be so effective in preventing, arresting, reversing, 
other leading killers like type 2 diabetes and high blood pressure, you seem to make the case for plant-based eating really overwhelming. And what do you think of the ketogenic diet, which some doctors are using now for cancer? Well, they're using it, but um, uh, if they are using it, they're not doing it um, based on what the evidence shows. Although mm -hmm. there were some interesting case reports published about 20 years ago, um, since then, not a single study has shown any clinical benefit, uh, a single uh, controlled study, any benefit um, to ketogenic diets. In fact, it's the opposite diet one would want to place anyone on with cancer or otherwise. Because mm -hmm. it's basically the antithesis of uh, of what one would eat that's healthy. So you go to the American Cancer Society guidelines, for example, um, recommend people eating a healthy diet to support themselves battling cancer. And so the opposite would be, I mean, you know, in no world would a ketogenic diet be a healthful diet. I think that the theoretical background that they use for it is because it is low carbohydrate and as you know the cancer cells thrive on sugar because they survive in an environment without oxygen which takes 15 percent more more of the car you know, see, all, all 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 cells right to live, uh -huh. off, of, mm -hmm. live off of sugar mm -hmm. so it's like saying you know uh, well you know hitler breathes oxygen, so we should not breathe oxygen. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. All cells live off sugar. In fact, um, their um, cancer cells can survive off ketones as well. In fact, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so breast cancer, for example, um, uh, you know, their tumors that, that uh, live off ketones mm -hmm. worsen with the ketogenic diet. Um, uh, cancer can switch fuels actually more effectively than normal cells. Um, what they can't live off of is uh, methionine restriction. So methionine is an essential amino acid mm -hmm. where normal cells we can we can kind of shuffle things around and um, and uh, and and make uh, methionine from other essential amino acids. Um, but cancer cells uh, appear to be restricted in that manner, so we can actually. Uh, so that's one of the reasons we think plant-based diets are so effective in, um, uh, when it comes to preventing cancer because um, uh, plant proteins tend to be relatively low in methionine, something like legumes, beans, slippies, chickpeas, and lentils, um, compared to uh, meat, eggs, or dairy. So mm -hmm. that, that methionine restriction, which is typically used for life extension, people want to live longer, mm -hmm. but also may be a factor in reducing risk of cancer. Well, as I said, I had was on a vegan diet when I had cancer, and I could have fruit, which was fine, and I never had oh, absolutely. A and I never had a recurrence in forty five years. So something That's wonderful to hear. <laughs> but the problem I have with the keto diet is that it seems like it could be hard on the kidneys and on some of the or other organs in the body. If it's not a more balanced diet, is that incorrect? We know, we, we, no, we know the adverse effects because um, children with intractable childhood epilepsy are sometimes put on ketogenic diets mm -hmm. um, because they, we can kind of change the chemistry in the brain to reduce seizure activity and basically suppress brain activity. And we see these, you know, horrible side effects in terms of bone loss, in terms of kidney problems, um, but uh, pancreatitis, all sorts of um, uh, bad consequences. But in their case, you have to, you know, it may be justifiable. The the, the risks may be countered um, by the benefits. But for people trying to eat healthy, certainly battling disease, 
that would be, you know, it's hard to imagine a worse diet mm-hmm. than a ketogenic diet. And it's difficult to make changes in one's life. And are there some tips on how one could easily change from a meat-eating diet to a plant-based diet? Oh, there's some wonderful resources out now. One of my favorites is a is a 21-day Kickstart program by a physicians group called Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. If you go to 21daykickstart.org, you can sign up. It starts the first of every month. It's in a bunch of different languages. Hundreds of thousands of people have already done it. And uh, it's completely free. Uh, you do it as part of kind of a social media group, and you share tips, and you get daily recipes and inspiration. It's a great way to just give it a try in hopes that at the end of three weeks, you feel so much better. You have more energy, your digestion's better, you're sleeping better, that you'll have that internal motivation to continue to eat healthy to accrue those long-term benefits in terms of reducing one's risk of the top killers here in the state. And Dr. Grieger, do you believe that mental spiritual interventions such as faith, prayer, being optimistic, forgiving, affirmations and things like that play a role in recovery from illness or in prevention of diseases? I don't think there's sufficient uh, evidence. I don't think it's been looked at. Um, uh, I mean, we know that remote prayer, for example, there have been studies on remote prayer mm-hmm. where people are prayed for. They're not praying themselves, but they are prayed for. Um, and we know that doesn't work in terms of uh, cancer outcomes. But whether your own faith, whether your own prayer and, um, uh, and introspection is beneficial, I don't think it's ever been put to the test. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you received a an endorsement for your book from the Dalai Lama, which I think must be very rare. And can you tell us how that came about? Yeah, it's really amazing. It's an amazing story. <laughs> um, normally, endorsements, what you do is you go around begging people for endorsements. Right. So, you know, you go to... You, and... and um, I mean, I know people come to me for endorsements all the time, and it's a lot—it's a lot of work because you—you you know, you have a stack of books you have to get through. It takes a long time, and you don't want to obviously say something. You don't want to, you know, promote a book that you know you find out says something crazy, and so you really have to kind of go through it, you know, carefully. And so it's hard to get endorsements. Um, but that was a spontaneous. We didn't even reach out to the dialogue. Mm-hmm. That was spontaneously. Mm-hmm. He just sent us a letter saying. That they wanted to uh, come out in favor and uh, and uh, you know uh, gave us uh, permission to use the endorsement and we just thought that was so uh, so uh, we actually don't know how we stumbled across the book who mm-hmm. gave it to them um, but um, but uh, so yeah that was yeah so I've never had that happen where um, <laughs> yeah I just got a kind of endorsement that I didn't even ask for yeah I thought that was amazing because I have never seen an endorsement by him. Yeah, and yeah. I've, no, me neither. Me neither. No, no. And I've looked at a lot of them because I've had this podcast for 11 years. And so oh, great. a lot of it is people who have written books. And then I spend a fair amount of time on Facebook interacting with people that write and all. And I've never seen an endorsement by the Dalai Lama before. So, yeah, well, I was I was very honored. Right, you should be right because he's a remarkable man. Then, are there I other agree. things that you would like to tell us about the plant-based diet? One thing that some people say, well, it's expensive, and I say, well, 
So is medical care if you end up sick. And oh, my God. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, no, and, and look, if you think about it, um, some of the health issues are really quite cheap. So fruits and vegetables, you know, uh, something like purple cabbage, one of the healthiest things we can eat. Dirt, cheap, dried beans. Oh, my God. You can't get a, a cheaper, something cheaper than that. Um, and so it's really, um, uh, certainly in terms of a dollar per unit nutrition, um, uh, it's really hard to beat, um, whole healthy plant foods for, for, uh, for kind of bargain searching, mm-hmm. um, where some of the healthiest foods just a dollar to a pound, like apples, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's really remarkable that we can get such healthy food. It's so affordably these days. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, there's, there's ways here. you can buy berries frozen, for example, um, buy greens and berries frozen. So you can get them out of season. They tend to be cheaper. Um, but farmers markets, uh, you know, you can cook big batches of stuff and freeze them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of ways. In fact, there's, um, there's a book, uh, you know, plant based on $4 a day. So, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, there's a, uh, an organization plant based on the budget. They talk about, you know, eating, uh, you know, for less than $30 a week. And these are, you know, wonderful, mm-hmm. healthy meals. Um, and so it can be really quite, uh, um, I mean, I'm really quite affordable to eat this way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, did, uh, you know, and then again, you know, as you mentioned, you're saving money in the long run mm-hmm. because you're going to be healthier. Right. Now, what I do is I buy berries in the summer when they're more reasonable, as you say. And I freeze them. Yeah. And then I have oh, them smart. all winter because I don't like to eat from uh, other countries, but I also don't like to eat food that is not organic unless it's non-GMO. If it's non-GMO, I will eat it. But what are your views on the organic and the non-GMO food and a lot of the... Yeah, so in yeah in, in How Not to Die, I talk about the... Um, uh, the benefits of choosing organic fruits and vegetables. Uh, so there was a modeling study done that suggested that if half of Americans ate a single more serving of fruits or vegetables every year, we would save, uh, we would prevent 20,000 cases of cancer. That's wow. how powerful fruits and vegetables are. Just mm-hmm. one more serving, half of Americans, one more serving of fruit or vegetables, 20,000 cases of cancer prevented. Now, but they were talking about conventional produce, pesticide-laden produce, mm-hmm. and that all that extra pesticide burden, if people were um, to do that on a population scale, would cause 10 extra cancer cases. So overall, we would just prevent 19,990 cases of cancer if we ate more fruits and vegetables. So that gives you a sense of the tremendous benefit mm-hmm. of produce versus the tiny bump in risk from the pesticides. You say, wait a second, why not get all the benefits, no risk, by choosing organic? Fantastic. But we should never let concern over pesticides mm-hmm. prevent us from stuffing our face with as many fruits and vegetables as possible. One thing I do is I live on a little island in the Chesapeake, and not far, oh, wow. and not far in, there is a man that has a big garden, and he puts fruit and vegetables out on a stand that is excess and sells it. Oh. It's not organic, but he I made sure he doesn't use Roundup or one of the carcinogenic uh-huh. pesticides. And so I buy from him, which is cheaper, 
and also I know what his practices are, so I know it's safe to eat it. And I remember Edgar Casey, who I had did a lot of reading on his work. He had said that it was best to eat locally grown foods if possible. And so that gives me the locally grown. It gives me the food that's right out of the garden, which is much better than when you get it in the supermarket. And I know it's safe. I'm jealous. <laughs> I wish I, I'm wish I, uh, yeah, no, no. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the benefits of, of, uh, of local beyond just the environmental benefits is that food, I mean, once you pull it from the ground or take it off from the tree, I mean, it starts losing nutrition. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's unbelievable to me. We have, uh, the technology is such these days that the apple you get at the store literally could be 10 months old. Yep. They have a way to stop the, the, the ripening of apples. So you can warehouse apples for 10 months. Um, and so what it looks like a fresh apple, right, is actually very, not been on a tree in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that fresh produce may have been sitting on a truck from New Zealand for two weeks. Or on, for, on a boat. Um, and so, you know, losing, you know, being exposed to, uh, you know, to, 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 you know, oxygen, sunlight, losing, uh, nutrition along the way once it's kind of been pulled from the ground. Um, and so now, I mean, it doesn't mean it still isn't super healthy, but if you can get local, mm-hmm. you get freshly picked, that would be the best. My brother grew all of his own fruit and vegetables and he was 91 when he died. And I think a lot of it was because he had grown all of his own food and they ate heavy fruit and vegetables. And he used to tell me that you have to take the boiling water to the field to pick the corn because the corn has to go immediately into the water. And if it's more than 15 minutes before the field to the water, it's no good. (laughs) (laughs) 15 minutes. Now that's fresh oh my god that sounds delicious and it does taste different when you get it like that than when you get it in the supermarket as you say it's been around oh, maybe yeah. 10 months so amazing yeah are there other things that you would like to tell us about nutrition before we look at your books and services and products oh it's just uh the, the good news really that uh, we have tremendous power over our health, destiny, and longevity. The vast majority of premature death and disability is prevented with a plant-based diet and other healthy lifestyle behaviors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. And then, uh, Dr. Grieger, would you tell us then more about your books and products and services and how the listeners can locate these? Yeah, so everything that I've done is available free at nutritionfacts.org. It's a free nonprofit science-based public service providing daily updates on the latest nutrition research and these kind of bite-sized videos. We have about 2,000 videos now, nearly every aspect of healthy eating. New videos and articles upload nearly every day in the latest in evidence-based nutrition. So that's nutritionfacts.org. Also have a number of books out. My last book, How Not to Die, um, uh, um, just says, you know, uh, 15 chapters on each of the 15 leading causes of death and just talks about the world diet made plain preventing and resting and reversing each of our top 15 killers. So you can find that in the local library. All the proceeds I received from all the sales in my book all uh, is donated to charity. I just want uh, people to be healthier. Mm-hmm. That's admirable. I like that. 
and I appreciate so much you're taking the time then today to talk with me about nutrition and about the Dalai Lama. <laughs> so I thank you very much. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Keep up the good work yourself. Thank you. My second guest, Mark Mallett, is a transpersonal psychotherapist, corporate trainer, and creator of the groundbreaking therapeutic healing process, the Dimensional Awareness Process. He has over 30 years of experience in personal development training, acquiring hands-on knowledge and practical expertise in several different types of psychotherapies, healing, and behavioral change methods. He has dedicated himself to intense inner work and continuous, never-ending improvement. Mallet is the CEO of Progressive Group, a company specializing in classical corporate training, life coaching, personal development, transpersonal psychotherapy, and energetic healing modalities. More information is available at www.progressionsgroup.com. I welcome you to the Holistic Health Show, Mark, and I look forward to hearing how one can take control of their life and how this facilitates healing. Now, first, can you tell us what you mean by limited and distorted thoughts and how we can identify these? Well, thank you, Carl, for having me on the show. Limiting thoughts, limiting beliefs are of the beliefs that do not empower us. Whether they're true or not is not really the point. It's whether it empowers us or not. So Mm -hmm. anything negative, anything negative that brings you down, that, uh, you know, that uh, sucks your energy or uh, vamps your energy is, is not something we want to to apply or manifest in our lives. I don't really believe that it has to be true. I just believe that it has to empower us. Mm-hmm. And that uh, thinking positively, as uh, lame as it sounds, is extremely important to have a better quality of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, breath work, meditation, any any uh, modality that helps you get insights about your environment and your thoughts and emotions is a good practice. Uh, If you're into inner work and if you are someone who wants to improve. I agree about the positive thoughts and I have heard and believe that what you send out comes back to you. So if you're positive with other people, you have positive people and positive results, etc. And if you're negative, you get the opposite. Sometimes it seems like it takes a long time to happen to some people, but I think that it really works. And I find that so important, like as part of my cancer treatment, I tried to stay positive. I prayed, I meditated, I had faith that I was going to recover. I was optimistic. I tried to help others. And I think all of these things are so important as part of the healing process. And uh, how do negative thoughts then, or positive thoughts, influence the immune system and healing? 
like vibrations attract uh, uh, like vibrations. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely the mind-body connection is, uh, is stronger than most people think. And the immune system, I believe, first of all, everything is psychosomatic, uh, whether we know it or not. So if you have a cold, let's say, instead of taking two weeks to recover, it'll take probably three weeks if you're stressed and have some mm-hmm. excess fear, anger, guilt, uh, etc. So it, it affects us whether we know it or not. And it's just because of the body-mind connection. Mm-hmm. How does it affect Biologically, I wouldn't know how to explain that, but I do know from the results I get, and and I know that what we we think about mostly is is what we become. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Buddha said that, Christ said that, you know, all the ascended masters have said the the same things over the over the centuries. One thing, Mark, that I found with the body mind connection is forgiveness, for example. If you fail to forgive, and this is a problem with 60% of the cancer patients, if you fail to forgive, then you end up with chronic anxiety, and that leads to a a depletion of the killer cells in the body. So it is having a direct effect on the immune system. And other, uh, you know, other things like, I was going to say compassion, but that's not the one, but there's optimism is another example that they found. Well, compassion is very important, too, yeah. Right. But I was thinking I of things that are show a definite effect on the body as a result of mm-hmm. your mind. What the other one does is that it affects the CA125 protein, and it mm-hmm. is one of the markers for ovarian cancer. So, you know, they're beginning to show some direct effect that they're able to measure in the body that's resulting from your mind. And so I find that really very exciting. And you say you see sure, this... Sure, say in- that uh, it also, yeah, I can hear it as an echo, but uh, I was saying, yeah, they, it increases your neurotransmitters, dopamine and serotonin also. I haven't personally measured those, but mm-hmm. that's what some colleague doctors say and forgiveness is a big one you hit it right on the on the head here because uh, forgiveness uh, is not sometimes very easy to do and usually people get stuck on forgiving themselves they can probably forgive somebody else but uh, difficult uh, the sticky point is forgiving oneself mm-hmm. now that's, that's what in my practice i see that a lot you uh, talk about dimensional awareness process can you tell yes. us about that? Sure. The dimensional awareness process is a process that consists of the breath work. So people lie down on the mat and with evocative and entrainment music, they start to breathe rapidly and profoundly. And what happens is that they eventually go into a non-ordinary state of consciousness or a heightened state of awareness, and they receive insights, they re- receive information from the transpersonal which is receiving information uh, beyond uh, the boundaries of the body and ego. And uh, a lot of people heal just by unblocking bioenergetic uh, blockages in the body, mm-hmm. just by breathing fast and deep. And other, other people heal by getting insight about their environment, about their relationships, about who they are and their place in the world. They also connect with their higher self. I don't know if you believe in those things, but I certainly do now. 
and uh, spirituality is an integral part of the psyche. A lot of people uh, don't know that, so breath work helps a lot uh, when it comes to spiritual matters and experiential knowledge about spirituality. Um, besides the breath work, we have a course or a module which we give. It could be about shamanism, plant medicine work, uh, and I do take people to ret- uh, to Peru for plant medicine retreats, uh, and it seems to have helped a lot of people with uh, heavy diseases like cancers, Parkinson's, and multiple sclerosis, and other heavy diseases. Mm-hmm. So they learn about plant medicine if that's the module at the time, or they learn about forgiveness, which could be another uh, module that we give. And there's some integration work that we do, certain types of meditations and and uh, some other uh, uh, work that we do inside the breath work if needed, like regression work, regression to cause, regression to the cause of the disease or or to uh, to where they picked up this limiting belief in childhood, and, and we potentialize that limiting belief and help them substitute it with a more empowering belief. And we work holistically on the mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual levels, and it seems to be very effective. Mm-hmm. And can you? So I, I travel. Can you pick up the limiting beliefs me? then by this breathing process? Well, you're more aware of it. It can come out. So, for example, you can be breathing and then understand that uh, your father or mother, you know, hurt you and that you felt unloved. And then all of a sudden, in an insight, you understand that they they have their own issues and that uh, forgiveness is uh, probably the only way to to release this uh, dense energy. And you even get insights on how to replace them by what type of belief. I believe we're all guided. So, you know, I believe that if we really work on, our, on ourselves and, and center ourselves, then we will get uh, insights that will help us live better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that yeah, also. That's my experience anyway. Yeah, I believe that Sorry. also, that as you attune you receive direction in your life, and I also believe in angels, but that you have mm-hmm. to give them permission each day to protect you and to surround you and to provide guidance. And that I've sure. seen this so many times in my own life. I used to write down things that were beyond coincidences, and then it got so it was so frequent that. I couldn't keep up with it, so I rarely write it down anymore. But I believe very much that you're guided. I know what you mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, can yeah, you? So I mm-hmm. go ahead. Can you tell us then? I, uh, I can't hear you very well. It's echoing again. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, please. Can you tell us the process for dimensional breathing? Is it like? Five counts in, and you hold it, and five counts out, or how do you do this? No, it's a lot simpler. It's, it's, no, it's more simple than that. Have you heard of holotropic breath work? No, no. Well, it's very similar to that. It, you just breathe uh, deeply and uh, rapidly in a circle. There's no pause between the in-breath and out-breath. Mm-hmm. So as you're breathing in a circle with the evocative music, uh, you will go and ex- you will experience something. You will be surprised. So we tell people to breathe until they're surprised. It could be a physical experience, a mental experience, an emotional one, 
and spiritual and spiritual experience, and it could be all four at the same time. So what we're doing is we're learning to delve deeper into our own psyche, and then that's where we get uh, you know insights, and that's where we become more aware of, of who we are. And uh, we also can uh, I don't know if you believe in that, but we can tap into past lives and into mm-hmm. you know spiritual archetypes and into the collective uh, conscious. And is, I don't know. I'm, I don't come from a spiritual background, but all I know is that uh, I tried it, and mm-hmm. it has helped me tremendously in my life. So that's why I decided to share it, share it with others. I believe all of that, also. And do you think that the deep breathing and the insights are a result of the increased oxygen in the body as a result of the deep breathing, or does that not have anything to do with this? Well, it increases at first, but then it stabilizes. So it it could be that they say that, you know, a lot of spiritual people live in altitude where there's there's less oxygen. So uh, the mechanics is that there's more oxygen at first, but then it tends to stabilize after you keep breathing. Mm -hmm. Some people say it it touches the neocortex of the brain. You know, the the mechanism is not, well, I I wouldn't say it's not proven. It's just that I don't go into it too much. I just, I'm a very practical person. All I know is that the insights I received were checked uh, later after I was out of the non-ordinary state, and it, it seemed to, to add a lot of value to me, practically speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other, other ways of going into heightened states of awareness. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to uh, be with the breath and the music, but they do say that the spirit is in the breath. And you mentioned the music. Yeah. What types of music do you use along with the breathing? Well, it's music. There are no words or phrases in the music. It's very spiritual mm-hmm. uh, music. Uh, as long as it, you know, can uh, can entrain you. So I call it entrainment music. Uh, it starts out a little bit fast, and then it's medium. Uh, there's a medium rhythm and then it becomes very meditative and it's all studied to affect the psyche. Yeah, you can, you can do it without the music, but I think that people, uh, need to experience this a couple of times to, to then understand their own, uh, ways of going into these non-ordinary states and tap into the, and tap mm-hmm. deeper into the, their own psyche. And do some of yeah, these... Experiential breathers are... Sorry? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Now, I just want to say that experiential or people who have experience in breathwork seem to go into their own psyche or into other dimensions and non-ordinary states of consciousness pretty rapidly. It's just a matter of practice. Mm -hmm. And do you think that these altered states of consciousness, do they open some of the spiritual centers? Chakras? Uh, They open the spiritual centers. The chakras. chakras? Yeah, right. Well, it's, it sure seems to be that way, but I don't think it's, it's necessary, uh, that that happens. You know, I don't know that, that if you tap into the collective consciousness, I don't know that, uh, your chakras are open, but, uh, it, it would make sense that that happens, yes, and that there's a connection there. Mm-hmm. I never really thought about it. Uh, all I know is that it does seem to, um, to help us get rid of the fears, which are the biggest obstacles. It does help us to center and to find inner peace and to get to know ourselves better. And it does 
certainly help us to let go of the unwanted baggage and unneeded baggage in our lives. Mm -hmm. Can you give us some examples of people that you have worked with that have uh, healed or changed as a result of this experience? Yeah, sure. I have a little handbook that I I put on my website, which people can download for free. And in that book, I talk about my, myself. Actually, I had PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, because I grew up in the war and experienced a lot of traumas, uh, besides the violence of the war and other types of traumas. So breathwork has helped me tremendously, you know, find, uh, uh, well, find myself or center myself a lot more. Mm-hmm. And the uh, people with fibromyalgia, have, uh, they have healed uh, during breath work. Um, people with uh, psychogenic asthma have healed. Uh, people who tapped into their past lives and found the causes of their diseases. I can't, I can't think of anything right now besides fibromyalgia and mm-hmm. PTSD. Mm-hmm. But uh, depressions, a lot of people have gotten over their depressions just by doing the breath work. Uh, and, and other sorts of uh, diseases. People um, tend to. I was going to. Uh, make... Yeah, I was just saying that people tend to. That people tend to find a different, uh, different way of living. Uh, for example, a lot of people start to happily achieve instead of to achieve to be happy. They tend to to live the present moment a lot more. And these things by themselves, these uh, deeper insights, help us heal on a mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual level. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all it's all connected: the mental, the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual. And sometimes it just take it just takes a little little insight to unfold all these uh, these issues and to integrate them and process them in the conscious mind. Right. right. So it, it's really strange how it happens. But the material from that's repressed usually comes out and and uh, is digested in the conscious mind and uh, seems to to help people uh, be more centered, uh, focused, uh, fearless, and aware, which is the title of my handbook. Mm-hmm. And also, all breath workers believe that uh, the birth experience is traumatic, so. There are many, there are four matrices in the birth experience. So just by breathing, we can re-experience and relive our, our birth and, and integrate and digest and process that at the level of the conscious mind, which by itself, uh, helps us to get rid of the aggressiveness and, uh, and, and, and the, uh, what do you call that? The, the stress or density of that, uh, trauma. Mm-hmm. And your book, Be Focused, Fearless, and Aware, can you tell us a bit more about that book? Well, it's, it's more, I would say, a, of a marketing tool, just explaining the, the process, which is about breathwork and also other types of uh, psychotherapy techniques like uh, the intuitive potentiation and energetic conditioning, which is how to get rid of limiting beliefs and bad habits and unwanted behaviors by potentializing and getting the full potential self of that thought or the full potential self of of uh, the emotion called fear or anger or guilt there is a we, there is a full potential self for everything in life i believe mm-hmm. so if you take fear for example and you potentialize fear then the opposite would be love for example the opposite of fear is love and the opposite of love is fear mm-hmm. so there are ways of of doing this inner work and of 
and of uh, reaching higher levels of thoughts and higher beliefs that uh, uh, resonate harmoniously with our uh, with our body and mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, focus, fearless, and aware is just uh, is just uh, the way I would like to live. A more um, and to me, it's fear fear is the biggest obstacle, and awareness is the ultimate uh, for healing uh, because to me consciousness pure consciousness uh, equals absolute love which is you know the ultimate vibration for healing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and of course being focused uh, if you're focused on something long enough you will eventually attract it so i use those terms for people who are working on themselves to better themselves and for consciousness uh, seekers and uh, the, just the term focused, fearless and aware came to me and I think that's what we are mostly seeking mm-hmm. to be more focused uh, to be fearless and to be aware mm-hmm. to me fear, fear you said fear is the opposite of love and I think it's also the opposite of faith and so of hate faith faith yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, I hear you. Okay. If you develop faith, I don't think that you will have fear. I may be wrong, but, you know, I think that so many things in our environment try to stimulate fear, but there are people that sure. get pulled into that, and there are people who don't. In the time left today, I would like to tell you about my latest book on preventing cancer, which is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and other bookstores, as well as on my cancer website, Holistic Cancer Foundation. The book titled Reducing Your Cancer Risk, A Holistic Approach, uses a public health model for the framework. In general, the framework postulates that there are multiple factors that lead to health or disease processes in our lives, and these include host factors, environmental factors, and agent disability factors. In order for disease to occur, there must be a strong disease or disabling agent, a weak host, and a favorable environment that brings them together. It is possible to intervene at various points in this process to prevent disease or move us toward a healthy phase. We focus on the period before the disease agent interacts with the host, and our interventions are directed towards strengthening the host, reducing the virulence of the agent, and making the environment less favorable for future interactions. Things one can do to reduce the impact of the environment and agent include working with electromagnetic frequency waves, ultraviolet waves, carcinogenic chemicals, and carcinogenic metals in the environment. Research on how these affect humans and ways to eliminate or reduce their effect are presented. For example, bisphenol A or BPA is an endocrine disruptor and may cause cancer of the breast and prostate. It is found in plastic water bottles, canned food lining, eating and cooking utensils, among other sources. 
During the summer months, when water bottles are transported in unrefrigerated trucks, the heat causes the BPA to leach into the water that you later drink. There are also things you can do to become more resistant. These include physical interventions, proper nutrition and fluids, physical activities, vitamins, minerals, herbs, and supplements, immune builders, smoking cessation, and use of sound or music. For example, research shows that eating proper nutrition reduces your cancer risk by 35%, and exercising 30 minutes a day for five days a week reduces it by 50%. Research also shows a strong body-mind-spirit interaction and the effects of mental-spiritual factors on disease. Thus, one should pay attention to forgiveness, faith, prayer, optimism, being positive, helping others, affirmations, and other activities. Research on the effect of physical, mental, spiritual behaviors and health illness are discussed in the book and what you can do with these behaviors to make the body more resistant. For example, about 50% of cancer patients have a forgiveness problem, and failing to deal with this leads to chronic anxiety and a depletion of killer cells that protect against disease. Ways to deal with forgiveness problems are presented. In addition, links to interviews with over 75 experts on the topics discussed in the book are included. I thank you for joining me this week and I hope some of the information was useful. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, your host.